chapter five of sons of fire by mary elizabeth braddon this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five more newcomers allan recalled the story which mrs mornington had told him of mr warnock's marriage and the mysterious birth of his son and heir mysterious in that it was a strange thing for an english gentleman with a fine estate to carry off his wife to a foreign country before the birth of her first child and to remain in exile from home and property until his son was three years old mystery of some kind a secret sorrow or a secret shame must have been at the root of conduct so unusual and might not that secret include the story of the young wife's sin alan carew had heard of husbands so beneficent as to forgive that sin which to the mind of the average man lies beyond reach of pardon husbands who have taken back runaway wives and set the fallen idol once again in the temple of home life husbands who knowing themselves old ugly and unlovable have palliated and pardoned the passionate impulses of undisciplined girlhood the sin in which there has been more of romantic folly than of profligate inclination husbands who have asked themselves whether they were not the darker sinners in having possessed themselves of creatures so lovely and so frail so unadapted for a passionless workaday union with grey hairs and old age it might be alan thought that mr warnock was one of these and that he had conveyed his young wife away from the scene of her sin and the influence of her betrayer and had hidden her shame and his dishonour in that quiet valley among the snow-peaks and the glaciers but if mrs warnock had so sinned in the early days of her married life there must be people at matcham who would remember the lover's presence at discombe even although his real character had been undiscovered by the searching eyes of village censors lady emily went back to her husband and her farm after a week at beechhurst a pleasant and busy week in which the mother's experience and good sense had been brought to bear upon all the details of the son's household and domestic possessions plate and linen glass and china books and ornaments if it were not for your smoking-room or drawing-room or whatever you may be pleased to call it your house would be obviously philistine said lady emily but that is a really fine room and there are some pretty things in it some pretty things yes there are a few answered alan laughing at her tone of patronage i was offered five hundred pounds for that piece of tapestry which hangs in front of the conservatory doors by a man who thinks himself a judge of such things the room is full of treasures from the summer palace my brother must have looted in a most audacious manner no he bought the things afterwards mostly from the french sailors who were licensed to steal or destroy i believe the bronzes and porcelain and ivories and embroideries that the admiral bought for a few hundreds are worth as many thousands but there they are and i must be very hard up before i disturb them alan called upon mrs mornington the day after his mother's departure and was lucky enough to find that lady at home and alone she was sitting in her veranda sewing with a large basket of plain work on the ground beside her and her scissors and other implements on a wicker table in front of her with climbing roses for a background and a sunny lawn a sunk fence and a paddock dotted with jersey cows as an outlook i'm at work for the guild she said apologetically after shaking hands with alan and she went on herring-boning a flannel waistcoat a waistcoat of that stout flannel which is supposed to have a kind of 
affinity with the skin of the agricultural labourer although it can be worn comfortably by no other class allan knew nothing about the guild but was accustomed to see mrs mornington's superfluous energy expending itself in some kind of needlework he seated himself in the comfortable armchair to which she invited him and prepared himself for a long talk of course he could not begin at once upon the subject of mrs warnock that would have to be introduced casually he talked about his mother and her regret at not having been able to stay till the following week when mrs mornington was to give a small dance to which lady emily and her son had been invited she can't be as sorry as i am or she'd have managed to stay replied mrs mornington in her blunt style she has my father to think of she is never long away from him why don't he come too i hope to get him for a week or so before the summer is over he promises to come and look at my surroundings but he is very much of a recluse he lives in his library i dare say he will contrive to come when philip and i are away on our august holiday we always take a month on the continent just to keep us in touch with the outside world and to remind us that the earth doesn't end on the other side of salisbury do you know why i am giving this dance i'm sure it is from a conscientious motive to pay your debts i find that most ladies hospitalities are founded upon a system of exchange and barter cutlet for cutlet as lady londonderry called it it is very rude of you to say that as if women had no real hospitality no mr carew i owe no one anything in the dancing line and i am not making one evening party pay for a whole year's dinners i have known that done i assure you no i am turning my house out of windows and making poor phil utterly miserable for the sake of a certain young half french niece of mine who is coming to live in this neighbourhood with my brother bob her thoroughly english father you mean general vincent some one told me that he was related to you related i should think he was related to me he used to pull my hair we wore long plaits in those days don't you know with the ferocity only possible in an elder brother poor dear old bob i am monstrously pleased at the idea of having him near me in our old age he has been tossed and beaten about the world for the last thirty years at home and abroad and now he is to enjoy enforced leisure and the noble income which our country bestows upon a retired lieutenant-general he has a little money of his own fortunately and a little more from his wife so he will be able to live comfortably at marsh house in a very quiet unpretentious way bien entendu he is a widower i conclude yes his pretty french wife died fifteen years ago he met her in canada but she was a parisian poor song and of a very good family she had gone to montreal with her mother to visit some relations uncle cousin or what not it was a very happy marriage and suzette is a very charming girl she is a papist with a faint sigh which of course is a pity but even in spite of that she is a very sweet girl worthy that you should turn your house out of window in order to introduce her to the neighbourhood in the pleasantest possible manner said allan my greenhouse is only a bachelor's idea of glass but any flowers there are shall be sent to add to your decorations at least if you don't despise such poor aid how truly nice of you every flower will be useful i want to make the rooms pretty since nothing can make them spacious ah if i had only the manor-house now those noble rooms of which mrs warnock makes so little use allan seized his opportunity mrs warnock is the most singular woman i have ever met he exclaimed quickly lest mrs mornington should diverge to another subject i took my mother to call upon her had she called upon lady emily asked mrs mornington surprised 
no it was altogether out of order my mother told me but i rather insisted upon her going to discombe i wanted her to see mrs warnock and i must say that lady's manner was calculated to excite wonder rather than admiration i never saw a woman of mature years receive a visitor so awkwardly her shyness would have been remarkable in a bread-and-butter miss just escaped from the schoolroom that is so like mrs warnock the ways of society are a foreign language to her had you taken her a german organist with long hair or a spiritualist or an esoteric buddhist she would have received him with open arms she would have been sympatica to the highest degree and would have impressed him with the idea of a sensitive nature and a temperament akin to genius while well, i dare say lady emily thought her a fool she certainly did not give the lady credit for superior intelligence of course not she has not even average intelligence in affairs of social life she has lived all these years at discombe she might be in touch with some of the best people in the county and she has learnt nothing except to play the organ i believe she has toiled at that concluded mrs mornington contemptuously i have half forgotten what you told me about her in the first instance i think you spoke up a mystery in her early life the only mystery was that old warnock should have married her and that he should have told us nothing about her belongings had she been a lady we must have heard something about her people in the last five-and-twenty years and yet there is a refinement about her which makes me think she could not have sprung from the gutter the gutter no indeed she has an air of exceptional refinement i should take her to be the offspring of an effete race a crystallization in her early married life when she and mr warnock were living together at discombe she had friends i presume they must have had visitors occasionally a house party not they you must remember that it was not more than six months after mr warnock brought his young wife home when he took her away again but in the interim interrupted alan eagerly they must have had visitors in the house he would be proud to exhibit his pretty young wife there must have been men friends of his coming and going during that time i think not he was a very dry chip and i don't think he had made many friends in the forty years he had reigned at discombe and never heard of any one staying in the house either at that time or previously he was hospitable in a casual way to the neighbourhood while he was a bachelor gave a hunt breakfast every winter and a good many dinners but he was not a man to make friends he was an ardent politician and an ardent radical and would have quarrelled with any one who wasn't of his way of thinking a blank here no hint of a too frequent visitor of one figure standing out against the quiet background of home life of one person whose coming and going had been marked enough to attract attention alan breathed more freely it was no prurient curiosity which led him to pry into the secrets of the past he wanted to know the truth yet it would have been agony to him to discover anything that would lessen his reverent admiration for his father or his belief in his father's honour and high principle sitting idle in the sunshine beside mrs mornington he tried to think that there might be nothing more than eccentricity in mrs warnock's conduct no indication of a dark secret in her fainting fit or in her embarrassed manner during his mother's visit mrs mornington went back to the subject of her dance her niece her brother his income his establishment and the how much or how little he could afford to spend she lamented the dearth of dancing men both my boys are away she said luke with his regiment in burma fred in london he might run down for the evening if he liked but you know what young men are well perhaps you are more civilized than frederick he pretends to hate dancing parties yet when we spent a winter at cannes he was at a ball nearly every night he despises my poor little dance i am sure your little dance will be delightful i hope it will not be dull 
i am straining every nerve to make it a success i shall have the house full of nice young people and i shall have decent music only four men but they will be very good men and four will make quite enough noise in my poor little rooms mrs mornington's poor little rooms included a drawing-room thirty feet long opening into a spacious conservatory there was a wide bay at the end of the room which would accommodate the grand piano and the four musicians allan had to make a tour of inspection with the mistress of the house before he left and to express his approval of her arrangements there will be a comfortable old-fashioned sit-down supper she said finally i've asked a good many middle-aged people and they will have to be fed End of chapter five